this episode of Doing Disney, we just keep swimming as we talk about the 2016 sequel to Finding Nemo, Finding Dory. Theme song guy. On this podcast, we let it go. Because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea. Because on this podcast, we do Disney. Hi there. I'm your hostess with the mostest. Kelly Mead, and welcome to Chilling Disney. My returning guest, Clay Johnson, I'm so happy to have you back here. And we're going to be talking sequels as well. So it's funny that we've got Finding Dory is what we're going to be talking about today. But thank you so much for coming back, Clay. Always, always, Kelly. You know, I I, I, I listen to your podcast and I love, you know, the, the intros and the stuff that you do. And for half a second, I couldn't remember if you would introduce me and then there'd be some kind of like beautiful interplay before I start talking so I was like can I talk now and I'm not gonna mess this up am I but no I just want to get straight into it like (laughs) we've had we've had our usual big talk before the show so like I'm primed I am ready to go yeah let's Mm -hmm. let's just get into it start at the beginning finding dory the Disney Pixar 2016 sequel to Finding Nemo, directed by Andrew Stanton, with Ellen DeGeneres as Dory, Ed O'Neill as Hank, and Abra Brooks as Marlon. For this sequel, we focus on Dory, as she searches for her parents who she suddenly has a flash of memory of. Dory, Marlon, and Nemo cross the ocean to the jewel of Morrow Bay, California institution, where Dory remembers she used to live. During the journey, Dory is separated from Nemo and Marlon, where she is tagged and quarantined in the institution, and she meets Hank, a seven-legged octopus who dreams of a quiet life to be transferred to an aquarium in Cleveland. They strike a bargain that Dory will give Hank her tag, bound for Cleveland, in exchange for help in finding her parents. We introduced to many of the colourful characters that inhabit the Institute, with Dory and Hank searching for her family, and Marlon and Nemo simultaneously searching for Dory. Dory finds her way to the ocean, where her family have been leaving her a path of shells for her to follow in the hopes that they would be reunited. It is now up to Dory and Hank to rescue Nemo and Marlin. And in the end, everyone comes back together safe and sound in the reef. Tale as old as time. How did you first come to the film? Plus, how did you first come to Finding Nemo? Because when you came to me and said, let's do Finding Dory, I found that really interesting. So what's your backstory with these films? Okay, so we'll start with Finding Nemo because it came first. Um, I saw Finding Nemo in the theaters when it came out, uh, 2003, correct? Yes. Yeah. I For some reason, I always think it's 2004, and I'm like, no, that's not right. I saw it in the theater. How do I not remember this? Um, but yeah, I saw it in the theater, and honestly, one of my plainest memories about waiting in the line to go see this movie, and I should remember this, because as we were waiting in the line to go see this movie, we saw... Uh, like the placards for uh, 2003's On Lee's Hulk. And because it had just come out around the same time. And one of the people in line with me, basically I was part of a a group that it was very religious. And so we had to have our movies approved. Yeah. So one of the, one of the people in line with us had uh, seen the movie and we were like, oh, is it approved? Can we see it? You know, is, are we allowed? And they were like, I think we can, but it's not good. And so <laughs> that is my memory from standing in line. But I, you know, obviously we went to see the movie. The movie was great. Uh, enjoyed the movie. I will say Finding Nemo is 
at the top of a lot of people's lists. And I will say it's one of those movies that every time I watch it, I'm like, this is really good. But when I put it up against like overall Pixar, there's a lot of really good Pixar movies. So, you know, it, it has never been like my, you know, number one. Your go-to. Exactly. I, I will say there was a point in time when I was living in uh, ministry housing when we only had like a few things. And at one point, the two things that I had were my own copies of the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings. So I have seen all of the uh, bonus content from all of those 15 times. Um, but the other one was Finding Nemo. So I watched that and the bonus content and, and, and things like that as well, you know, quite a few times because, again, we were limited on what we could see. Um, but... You know, again, I always thought this is a really good movie. I like this movie, but it was never like, you know, the top for me. So then flash forward to 2016, um, when this film comes out, I remember hearing about this and thinking, why do you need a sequel? You know, yes. it's like, okay, whatever. And, you know, I also kind of thought that Dory was overplayed. You know, a lot of people love Dory. I thought that she was fun, but I'm like, Basing a, a film on your comic relief character usually isn't the best of ideas. And so it came out, and I think I saw it probably the next year on like Netflix during the time that Netflix had the, the uh, agreement with uh, Disney yeah. to air their stuff. And I, I kind of had it on in the background. You know, I remember just kind of like watching it and like getting what was going on, but not really like sitting down and paying attention to it and just being like, eh, it's fine. You know, it's, it's not bad. It's still, it, it's a Pixar film, so it's good, but just kind of being like it, you know, it didn't really grab me. Well then flash forward to a couple of years ago when I uh, had started movie battles and obviously needed to rewatch some of these movies that I hadn't seen for a while, just in order to, write questions about them and i mean anybody out there that has written trivia questions no you can't watch a film in the background and be able to write trivia questions about it you have to sit down and watch it so i sat down and i watched it and as i'm watching it there are points at which i'm tearing up this is really getting to me and by the time the movie was over i was like i think that was good like, and not just, like, good, but, like, really Phenomenal. good. Like, I, I, like I, I feel like that hit me in a personal place. I, I went away from, from it again and, you know, just kind of having the, I, the thought in my head, I think Finding Dory's better than a lot of people get it credit for. And then last year, I was asked um, by the Cinefanatics to do the Pixar uh, ranking. And I was going and I I rewatched all the Pixar films because there were several that I hadn't seen in years or some that I'd only seen once, things like that. So I was like, I'm gonna just rewatch all of them. I did it in two weeks, which is tough. Ooh, big task for big somebody task. for somebody that has all of the work and other projects that I do, that was tough. Um but and, and I went into, I'm like, okay, so we're, this is going to be the test. If this really gets me again. And it did. 
like to the point where I was like, this might be one of my favorite Pixar movies. In fact, when we did the rankings, I was the only person that I think everybody else ranked it as like a C. And I was like, S guys, it's an S tier for me. Straight to the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm like, I know nobody out there is going to say the same thing. But yeah, the the thing that really gets me about this film is how they deal with a child with special needs. The way that little Dory is is dealt with and just the way that that Dory's uh because in in the first one like her short-term memory loss was was dealt with obviously it was mentioned but there were like for the most part it was mostly a comedic beat. There were there were a couple of places here and there where it was treated somewhat seriously, but for the most part, it was a comedic beat. Whereas in this one, because she is now the lead, we are kind of seeing how difficult a life with that type of uh, of thing would be, and we also get to see her amazing parents deal with you know how to raise a child with this type of thing. And my, uh, my, my mother is an OT. She deals with kids with special needs. My, uh, both my nephew and my niece have different uh, special needs in different ways. Um, and so, you know, I've been around this type of thing my entire life. So just seeing the way that was portrayed really, really meant something to me. So that's, that is why when you asked, I mean, you, you asked specifically for a film that I hadn't done yet on any of my other yes. podcasts. And I was like, well, there's not a lot, but <laughs> let me just see. And this was one of the first ones that came to my mind. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Um, I obviously being in Australia in 2003, finding Nemo hits like, mm -hmm. it's huge. <laughs> so this is Absolutely. definitely, this is definitely one of the ones I am one of the people like this is this is the one of the top tiers for me. Yeah. Um, I, I love the story, I love everything. I too, Lord of the Rings box set, funny Nemo DVD. So yeah. you made mm -hmm. this like I've yep. seen all the special features and everything. Yep. I, feel, mm -hmm. I feel that. Yep. Um, I just love the way they animated and portrayed the Great Barrier Reef and Australia. Peace Shimmer said to Wallaby West, to Wallaby West Sydney, like it's there. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so 2016, I'm somewhat excited about the release because, mm -hmm. as you sort of said, this is the time we're getting really heavy sequels from Pixar. Yeah. And uh, I'm just, I'm not that excited about it. I will always rather an original property and idea from Pixar because that, that's Absolutely. where it really shines. We got really lucky with Toy Story 2, I think, and very yeah. lucky with Toy Story 3. Yeah. Not so much with Cars 2, and I'm quite on the fence with Monsters University. And this is coming after Monsters University. So this is 2010. But, but again, was the original Cars that great? No. Let's be honest. No, it was not. But at least it's not Cars. Like then if you've got a not so great property, then we're getting a really not so great sequel from it. Sure. And then Cars 3 brings, brings the average back up just a little bit. But um, I just moved back to Australia. It's 2016. So, and I liked a, the year of 2016 for film. I like this mid 
2010s period in general for going to the cinema. Like, we were getting great stuff. Um, but I know the exact date I saw this movie. It's June 22nd, 7 p.m. Because I still have the movie tickets because this is Alan and mine's first official date. So this oh, is the day we nice. celebrate our anniversary as well. So finding, we call Finding Dory our, our movies. So re-watching it, this is the first time we've re-watched it. And I said to Alan, I'm like, I need, I'm doing Finding Dory for the podcast. Do you want to watch it with me? He's like, yes. So we held hands and watched it the whole way through. Oh, like, oh, we created oh. the date. So um, <laughs> obviously I've got fond memories of this one, um, Alan brought the tickets and the popcorn and we split a soda and that's just been the go ever since. So um, I've got happy memories with it. When we rewatched it this time and after we had had that little bit of chat about what the movie really does mean, um, mm -hmm. very much I had similar feelings on the rewatch, seeing the deeper messages, um, see, having a less joyous and more emotional response to it this time for sure. It's my favourite part because you'll see. Let's get into some of the nitty-gritty of it. Clay, what is one of your favourite scenes from the film? Oh, geez. Okay, so something that I have said before uh, and it just remains true is uh, I've realised recently that the more something makes me cry, the more I like it. <laughs> um, and that is... Uh, cannot be more true about Finding Dory. One of the reasons that I like it so much is because it does connect to me emotionally and personally. And so for me, my favorite scene in the entire movie is the really even everything leading up to it, but when um, Dory finds her parents. Yeah. The, my, honestly, if, if, it, if I had to distill it down to a single shot, it is the so shot when we pan up and see that they have created shell trails from every corner and angle of their house. Every single day, they go out and they leave shells so that no matter where Dory is, no matter which direction she is coming from, she can find them. And that, I mean, anybody, I mean, you're not seeing the video, but I am tearing up. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, it's a super emotional moment for me. And it's just, it, it's, it's beautiful. And also just, if I had to pick a second favorite, just every uh, scene where uh, Dory and the parents interact. They're the just flashback so scenes. beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, the shell scene is just what a great visualisation of connection of family, mm -hmm. of perseverance, of what it means to go through with that, of, as you said, like Jenny and Charlie as parents are absolutely phenomenal in the way that they are um, dealing with, with what their family has to go through and just being upbeat about it, how they teach Dory, um, all the songs to mm -hmm. to jog her memory just the methods that they're using and yeah that that shell scene you just you feel the heartache that they must have been going through all this time right yeah. well and something else that i love about their relationship is there that they are you know they know that they have to work with her in different ways but they never treat her as lesser absolutely it is it is always we believe and i fully believe that they believe in her it's yeah. just that they know that there is something that they have to have special ways to work around. So they're going to do those things. 
and that they they know there are limitations, but they also fully believe, especially by the end, they know that their their daughter has achieved this this great life through having lost them and then having uh, going through a, a journey to finding them, and they know that she is fine. Yeah, you, know, like, they, they, you you did it, Dory. Like, oh god, that right. makes me well, so cry. But they, they yeah. never gave up hope because they knew that she was capable of coming back. Yes, and it was just yeah. beautiful. Uh, I agree. Any of the flashback scenes with Jenny and Charlie, um, finding out about just keep swimming, I think that's great. Sometimes I yeah. don't always need the backstory to things. Like with Frozen Two, I never needed to know how Elsa got her powers. No, but this is something like I didn't know I needed, but I thought was absolutely beautiful. Done in a great way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just a nice touch that using those, as, as Charlie said, like there's always another way. So if, if she can't remember, like let's make it a song, let's make it a game. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that speaks to a lot of families who go through, who have children with, with special needs, different ways of thinking, with different attention spans, things like that. I'm sure this is part of daily life and yeah. it's nice to see reflected on, on the big screen. And as you said, like it's never treated other. It's just, it's just, a different way of going about it. It's always positive. And yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, a similar scene I have to that is um, when Dory has to go on the pipes alone. Um, she's in Destiny. Oh. Yeah, yeah. She's in Destiny. This is the, the sad side of that. She's mm -hmm. in Destiny's enclosure with uh, Hank and Bailey close by. And Destiny's like, yeah. yep, it's just two lefts and a right. And just what would seem very simple for everyone else. She says, yeah, I know, I'm choking up. Uh, she says to Hank, like, Hank, did you get all that? Because she's used, she needs support. She needs yeah. support. She needs help. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with needing to rely on other people if you yourself cannot do it. And Hank well, just so blatantly. Oh, sorry, go. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, mean, I was just saying. Well, and she's she's relied on it so much that she just automatically. It's automatic. Somebody yeah. is going to be with her. Yeah. Because yeah. she knows that they know that this is an issue that she has. Yes. This that she needs. She needs the support, yeah. and that's yeah. perfectly fine. But Hank's just um, she can't. He, he can't fit in the pipes, and it's very blatant. Like, no, you need to go it alone. Very terse with her, and she just slightly stammers, and it breaks my heart. She's just, like, I'm not good with directions. I can't yeah. go alone. I'll forget where I'm going. This is this is my need. This is what I can't. I I just I'm differently abled. I can't right. do it. Yeah, it's and it's 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 it's. it's, 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 it's I mean, it, it is dealt with in, you know, just knowing your limitations. It's, mm. it's not a handicap. It mm. is simply knowing the things that you are good at and knowing the things that you are not and getting help with the things that you know that you're not good at. What I love about that scene is that she has that memory of her dad saying, there's always another way. Yes. And then yes. she's like, no, my dad said there's always another way. We're going to find it. And I yeah. just, ah, uh, just that, that that summarizes the character of Dory, I think. Yeah, well, and and it's that moment of finding strength from. Uh, 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 also, she's remembering because yeah. he, here's the thing: is her her short term memory loss is not necessarily what we might have seen in in other films. It's not. It's not like the guy from uh, um, Memento. It's not from 51st Day. Yeah. yeah. This, this is not that type of, she can make new memories, but it takes, I mean, what it is, it's kind of coupled with ADHD. She loses her attention 
and she doesn't fully remember what has recently just happened. I mean, honestly, there are times that I feel for Dory because I'm like, yeah, there are times that I'm like, I'm going to do this. I stand up and I'm like, crap, what was I going to do? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Marla, yeah, where just, are you? The, the train of thought just goes, goes on yeah. another track. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was one of the scenes that really stood out to me. Um, On a lighter note, one of the ones I really like for comedic effect is uh, the husband and wife fish, the Bill Hader, Kate McKinnon. Uh, San and Inez, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, what I like about this and Finding Nemo is running into those everyday type characters that just happen to live under the sea. Uh, yeah. It breaks the illusion a bit, but it kind of just cracks me up. So this is very that typical running into a lost child and the, the wife character being very, yeah, Dory, it's okay. And then going to the husband, like, what do we do? What do we do? Because I, I don't know. Well, and then they immediately <laughs> turn around and leave her. And I'm like, guys, she just told you that she can't remember. And then they turn around and she's like, oh, she's gone. She, yeah. You, you, <laughs> you, you turned your, your back on her. She doesn't remember she's waiting for you. But the, those characters are just like that that type of humor that I think plays really well yeah. in the film. Just like, yes, it's everyday things under the sea. Well, and it's also a great place for a cameo for those two characters mm. that feels natural. It doesn't just feel like, oh, they're just going to come in and do their shtick. It yeah. like their characters feel, like you said, very natural to the moment. So, yeah. Uh, are there any other scenes you'd like to highlight, Clay? Um, I will say, aside from just the, you know, like I said, all the, the stuff with Dory's parents, just because it's beautiful and done so well, for some reason, it, it, it could both be put as, as a strength and a weakness, but I actually really kind of enjoy the absolute ridiculousness of how, of the ultimate escape back to the water with the truck. It's wrong opinion. It, <laughs> okay. It's so bonkers that I'm okay. like, 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 honestly, it builds and builds and builds to an, a point that it's like, okay, guys, this is absurd. But their ultimate, like, uh, uh, the, the ultimate result is just so bonkers to me that I'm like, you know what? That's kind of just fun. I, I do feel like there were a few too many turnarounds, uh, you know, because, you know, they're, they're trying, because th this could have just been fixed very simply. But we built it up so many times. And honestly, I'm like, you know what? If you're going to build it up that many times, your payoff better be insane. And it is. <laughs> so I kind of like that. I'm not saying that it's the strongest point in the movie. I get anybody that, that is like, it's too much. I don't like it. But for me, the uh, solution was insane enough that I'm like, no, you know what? I'll give that to them. Just go along for the ride. Yeah. This, it does. It feels like, and when you read it, um, rewrites, rewrites on rewrites on rewrites. It, yeah. it, it feels it. But then I kind of like what you're saying. Like, if you're just going to do it, go all the way. And why not have What a Wonderful World in slow-mo as your characters are crashing into the ocean? Like, yeah. that part feels very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I just, I, I uh, again, I, I will say that 
from the moment that uh, Dory does meet her parents, the movie's, you know, it kind yes. of, you know, stumbles from yes. there for, for, for me a little bit. But I, I it, it's not enough to, because uh, to me, this is a character piece about how we are dealing with um, Dory and her affliction and her parents and all that kind of good stuff. Everything else on top of that is just, you know, it's the whipped cream. You know, yeah. the, the whipped cream here might be a little bit broken, but you know what? It tastes good. <laughs> I love the metaphor. Uh, one last one I want to bring up. And as an old school Pixar fan, I think you might be on the same page as me. Mm -hmm. The post-credits almost blooper scene that we get with Hank, the octopus. Those are fun. Yeah. Those are so, I miss those from back in the day when they used to do that. So to actually have some post-credit work and him, where I was glued to my screen going, where is he? Where is he? I'm trying to find it. I thought it was joyous. I will say I found all of them except for the boat. Because I think he's on the boat and the boat leaves pretty early Starts on. Off. And yeah. then you're left with nothing else. And I'm looking for him in the rest of the scene and he doesn't pop up. And then it just goes, and I'm like, oh, did I? Miss? He must have been on the boat. So I missed that one, but I got all the others. But yeah, no, I, I will say, you know, we we were kids when they were doing the ones with the bloopers. But you realize that the bloopers ones, they only did three. It feels it was like only the in only three. One it was was. It yeah, feels like, but they they didn't do it in Toy Story. They started with with uh, a Bug's Life. Bug's Life. Yeah. And they did it in Toy Story too, which they mm -hmm. ended up having to take one of those out because it was a little. Wow, I'm I'm surprised you put that in a kids movie. Um, and then the uh, third one was Monsters Inc. That was the Monsters last Inc. time they did it because yeah. they didn't do it in um, Finding Nemo. Um, but um. If you watch it on Disney Plus, they don't have the bloopers or the uh, musical at the end of Monsters Inc. That's such a shame. Yeah, it's such a shame. Yeah, because that is just like was always really fun and like as an adult now when I'm thinking like, wow, they took time to write and animate all that because obviously they don't I mean, just have footage. Yeah, I mean you you know you you can still find it on YouTube, but I'm like. Yeah. I don't know that's, why. That's I mean, part of it. Yeah, yeah, the the Bugs Life one and the Toy Story two one. You know, the part that they didn't take out are still intact, but uh, for some reason they did not include uh, the it in the Monsters Inc. version on uh, uh, of Disney Plus. So wow. I don't know Disney Plus, the real villain. <laughs> you ain't never had a friend like me. Uh, let's talk about some of our characters in the film. Now, okay. we had a bit of a chat beforehand. Yeah. There's no real antagonist of the film. There's no real villain. There's no bad overarching guy. Like I said, the only villain I could think of is societal norms. You know, <laughs> just what what is people who are like, Dory should be this way, and she's not. Well, screw you. She's not. Whatever. So... Yeah. We're just gonna talk. We're just gonna spend more time talking about more characters. Yeah. I think that's a good call to make. So yeah. let's stick on Dory. Um, I took the character of the film, as you sort of said, definitely a very memorable, often imitated sidekick. 
from the first one now bumped up to lead character and yeah. we've already alluded sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't are yeah. cast too um <laughs> but i think there's a lot more here to explore yeah. and highlight um how do you find dory in comparison oh, we've a little bit talked about in comparison to the first one but right. in this one as well yeah i mean she's she's i mean pixar has always done a pretty good job of giving depth to even their their sidekick characters so i think that i would never have called her two-dimensional but they definitely because she is uh the lead of this one there is a greater depth of dory than we ever realized and what what i really like is kind of how the movie starts off because we see her with her parents and then we see her well, we don't see her lose her parents initially, but we see her without her parents looking for her parents and then kind of the progression of the journey leading up to when she met Marla. Oh, so, I loved that. Yeah. That it just and, kicks off to that bit there. Yeah. Right. I, I, I love that they kind of gave us that journey so that we can kind of see kind of where Dory and her personality came from. You know, and, uh, you know, what, one of one of my favorite things um, that they did with this, and this is, you know, kind of talking a little bit about how other characters relate to Dory, but it's still talking about Dory, is that eventually, you know, when uh, Marlon and Nemo can't find her and they're trying to figure out how to get out of the situation that they're in, Nemo is like, well, what would Dory do in this situation? Because Dory is never, is a character that never finds herself stuck or anything like that. And part of that comes from, you know, the uh, limitation that she has. She can't be the person that thinks and plans out because she doesn't remember. She wouldn't remember a plan to make it from moment to moment. So she kind of has to think, uh, you know, uh, you know, by the seat of her pants because that's really all she's got is this moment. Um, yeah. But... Because she able is able to do that, she's also able to uh, encounter people and experiences and and other things that a lot of other people and you know I'm much more a Marlin type, so you know I get Marlin's happy place of you know let's think and let's sit back here and you know what the the best thing about traveling is that means you don't have to travel anymore. <laughs> you get where you're going and then you stay there. I get that. Um, although I do love to travel. I, I, I get that mindset, but then it, it is actually fun to encounter people who think differently than you and can kind of, uh, you know, get you to think in different ways or to try different things here and there. So, yeah, I, I, I really appreciated that. I agree. The depth that we get from Dory is good, but we still get a lot of her strong characteristics. Like I like the scene she has with Hank, like her innate sense of what's right and wrong and telling people it. So it's like, hey, for someone with three hearts, you're not being very nice. Like I, <laughs> I love that she still gets like stern and like, no, this is the way it should be. Well, and I love that she have, has these random moments of memory. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, she, she probably just saw that sign when she was a kid. And just somehow it just popped up into her, you know. Um, so, you know, like like we said, she is capable of of building memories. She's just really bad at recalling them is, is the issue. But, you know, she, she is able to get those random moments of recall 
and you know to to throw it in Hank's face and it's just like oh wow okay yeah uh speaking about Hank uh one of our fun new characters we get uh, I've always really liked octopus and squid and various uh, cephalopods. Uh, they're just one of my favorite aquatic animals. Whenever we went to the aquarium, like I find it mesmerizing, you know, how they move in the water and such. So, yeah. and I think the choice of Ed O'Neill to play a very disgruntled, curmudgeonly older character who just wants to be left alone, goes right. retire in Cleveland and not be around kids. <laughs> Such great casting. What do you think about Hank? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, I think the success of Hank really does come down to the casting of Ed O'Neill. Um, because, you know, I mean, obviously this was during the time of Modern Family. So it kind of, you know, that's kind of the character that he's playing in that show anyway. So it really kind of makes sense. But yeah, you know, he's that lovable grump um, that you you really kind of... Um, you, you know, I can be that way sometimes too. I get Hank. I'm like, you know, shut up with you with with your nonsense and yeah. just do what I told you to do. I get that. I, I, I work with children. Chair. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I work with children. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're just annoying. I get that. So. Yeah. Um. So. So. Yeah. I mean, just and you know, then you've got uh, Ed O'Neill's voice and just his his acting ability, and it's just it's it's just a fun fun character to throw into this mix and kind of by the end throw into this family. Finally, uh, Mr. Ray gets a, a sub. <laughs> one, one of the things that I noted watching this the first time, I'm like, why the hell is Mr. Ray Ray watching the ma- the uh, migration? The stingray not migration and yeah. not participated in it <laughs> yeah. because he needed a sub. That's why. That's so true. No, understaffed teaching, like yes. we feel it. Uh, what I also like is that we see at the end when he is subbing, like it's not a big personality change. It's not a lot of character growth. He's still the same person, but just is being able to adapt and all that. So I like that. It's not just a big, oh, you've shown me that I don't need to be like, it's not all that song and dance, which I just really appreciate for once. It's just like, let him be on his way and change right. to his surroundings. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing I like and what I remember most distinctly and what I rewatched it again, is just how amazing Hank looks, how shiny and reflective the animation of him looked. Um, yes. I know we always talk about Mr. Incredible, uh, his shirt, you know, like seeing all the in- individual fibers from Incredible sure. 2. Sure. But I think right. the attention to detail here is phenomenal like sitting in this theater and looking at the texture of this red octopus i just thought it was so it was one of the times i felt that jump from pixar like that progression in how in that animation sure yeah i mean i I will say i didn't get to see this one one on the big screen so Mm -hmm. it didn't ring as true to me i will say though he does look uh, amazing outside the water with that glistening and everything Honestly, you know, if we're just talking about Pixar in general for half a second, the the texture that got me was uh, in Coco. I was watching, I watched that with my sister and the, the titular character, Coco, when I was looking at the texture on her skin, I was like, yeah. I feel like I can reach out and touch it. Like, it feels that real. Like it's That's how just, I felt about this octopus. Yeah. Like, I would touch him and be slimy and everything. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. 
yeah, it 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 has that just natural texture to it, and it feels it, it looks like you feel like it would look in real life. So yeah. Uh, who are some of the other new friends that stood out to you? Uh, you know, obviously we've got uh, Ty Burrell as Bailey, mm-hmm. which also from Modern Family, Modern Family time. Connection, yeah, yeah. Modern <laughs> Family Connection, um, and you know, just that his kind of like neurotic kind of I'm not over <laughs> it, I can't echolocate, and when he finally does, he's like, "This is amazing! I have a superpower! I'm the greatest thing ever!" Anybody want to hear about echolocation? No. You know, it's like he he's neurotic and needy and seems to not have any belief in himself until he finally tries. And now he's like the greatest thing ever. It flips on its head. Yeah, that's 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 really fun. Yeah, the, the goofy voice uh, definitely plays in really well, makes that character a bit lovable. Um, the other sort of new friend that goes with that is Destiny, right. um, voiced by Caitlin Olsen. And I love, I'm a big It's Always Sunny fan, so for her not to voice a bird, uh, huge miss in my in my book. Like, just, just <laughs> she could have been the voice of Becky. Becky, I had to, I looked <laughs> just right in case, there. like if they if they put in that she was the voice of Becky, I would have loved it because they didn't like that. Um, a very lovable, friendly character. It's cute that we get that backstory with Dory. You know, we're pipe pals, like right just a, a friendly, lovely person there. And we get to see her in the end, like go into the ocean and how she teams up with Bailey, like her wall. No, well, like, I think that's cute. Like their little psychic well, I mean, duo the, dynamics cute. Yeah. They really are the, the perfect pair because yeah. <laughs> he can like super see as long as he's not stuck in his echolocation and she, you know, his new son. Yeah. 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 But yeah. <laughs> um, how do you find Fluke and Rudder are British seals? I mean, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun. I will say I have not uh, seen the show that uh, uh, Dominic West and the uh, Idris Elba. Yeah, I haven't seen The Wire. Obviously, mm-hmm. we all know who Idris Elba is. And I've seen Dominic West and some other things. But mm-hmm. I know that they were together on that show. Yes, um, and yes. I know a lot of people got you know the wire vibes from yes, you know, being <laughs> yes. paired together. So I haven't seen that, but I did find their their pairing really fun and funny. You know the the fact you know because uh, again, once again in this world we have um, creatures that are natural predators to fish, <laughs> but they're just being helpful. And it's I'm just true. like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, all right fine whatever i'm not gonna super i'm not gonna question it a lot but you know just they're kind of like chill laid back vibes but their absolute loss of cool anytime gerald tries to get on their rock yeah it felt very um because obviously it's that seal sees it sea line bark off 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 like yeah. and it feels like we're trying to recreate um the mind from Mine. seagulls sure yes very that 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 one word repetitive but i just yeah. love the absolute british accents that we get from yeah. these seagulls oh, like oh. Oh. It was, yeah. it's so good that juxtaposition <laughs> i wasn't ready for that because as you sort of said like part of the joy of finding nemo finding dory is just these smaller characters that we come across the way it's who you meet yeah. on the journey it, it's and so they're fun characters yeah great great i mean it's it's a little less in this one because we don't spend as much time on the journey Mm -hmm. they get there pretty quickly 
we get to see them going on the, the EAC. Yes. With yeah. Crush, uh, again, crush with crush. right. But we don't actually get to, see, we don't see them going to the EAC or anything like that. Um, we just see them once they get to um, Morrow Bay or whatever. Um, so I, I, I will say, I love the inclusion of Sigourney Weaver as an, as, uh, as, because she's yes. practically a character in this. Yes. Even though when we get, when we get is, to best quotes, this is what I've got. Yeah, yes. yeah, no, I mean, th there's some some great, but especially the way that that uh, the other characters, especially Dory, interact refer to her. With, yes, yeah, exactly. Sigourney Weaver said we could do this. <laughs> it's great. Uh, let's quickly touch on some of the old friends, Marlon and yeah. Nemo. How do you find them compared to the first movie as well? Because now it's it's kind of the reverse, where sure. they're the ones finding Dory, and they're the they're the B side journey that we're following, sort of thing. Right. Um, I will say I like kind of, obviously the story is not about them. So any character beats that we're getting are really kind of a B story. It's, mm -hmm. it's much shorter, but we do get kind of a, another learning moment for Marlon here because he's kind of having to learn in, in the first one, he had to learn to let his son go in this one he's kind of learning the same thing but with dory because even though they've been friends for about a year at this point he still kind of can't see past her limitation you know and it takes yeah. Nemo. why don't you just swim off and forget breaks my heart yeah, yeah. well here's the thing that is a tough line and um, what I love ab about that line, though, is that once it's said, number one, when Nemo parrots it back to him, he's like, I didn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Maybe I did say that. That is something I would say. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, so we're seeing a limitation for you, Marlon. But also, Nemo won't let him forget it. He's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, Dad, that was a crappy thing to say. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't say things like that. And he's like, yeah, I know. I shouldn't, you know, but I do, because again, I kind of get Marlon's point of view. I can be that kind of, you know, uptight, neurotic type of person too. And I mean, no, I would never snap and say something like that to somebody, but I can get why somebody would do that in the moment because all he's thinking about is his son. We have established from the first, uh, film the connection between marlon and nemo why that is so important to him beyond just the fact that he's his son he literally is the only biological family that he has but you know through this film and obviously it's through dory's perspective growing that family but i would hope that marlon also sees that this kind of uh adopted family can also be something he can connect with as well. Yeah, and, and Dory gives that message as well, like how important found family is it, it, as well. Yeah, it's Ab beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. What and, I, I like about, oh, sorry, So, no, you, you no, go ahead. I'm going to change the topic so you go. <laughs> oh, well, I was actually going to revert back because one of the new characters we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about um, Jenny and Charlie. Oh, sorry. Yes. Let's go. And if I had to pick favorite new characters in this film, it would be Jenny and Charlie 
because uh, Diane Keaton and uh, Eugene Levy as her number one, they're perfect as Dory's <laughs> yes. parents. That's just, yes. I mean, number one, would you ever, ever even thought of uh, uh, casting Diane Keaton and G Eugene Levy as a married couple? That just like, that that's odd, but it somehow works. Works. The warmth. They both got that warmth. It the way that I mean, I've, I've mentioned it before already, but the way that they deal with young Dory, which by the way, the design of young Dory can only be described as adorable. She's <laughs> just absolutely adorable. That's not a word I throw around very often, but she is. She is adorable. Um, but just the the way that they are so patient and so in fact, the only time that we see we see that scene of mom breaking down, it's yes. not, oh, this is so hard. It's not, no. oh, why can't she just get this? It's oh, is she ever gonna be is she gonna be okay? Is she when we're not safe? around, is she gonna yes. be okay? And that broke me. That broke me. Yeah, yeah. These are parents that are 100% about their kid and, you know, have, you know, knowing people that have kids with special needs. I get that. There is kind of a concern of, are they going to be okay if I'm not around? Are they going to be able to function? You know, I know that we've set up the, these ways for them to figure out how to function, but are, is anybody kind of come in and knock it down if we're not here? That kind of fear and worry. I get that. So, yeah, just the, the way that that was played. I mean, because, no, you know, I love Diane Keaton as an actor. So we're giving her this really strong moment. This really kind of, I mean, it's a small moment that's kind of in the background. But oh, it's still very, me on this watch. It's, it's a very, it's still a beautiful dramatic moment that yeah. we are getting that she's kind of getting to sink her her teeth into. So yeah, no, I I really really enjoyed that. Yeah, and um, I always like that meme that goes around now. Like, how did we get a receding hairline on a fish for Eugene Levy's character? That cracks me up. <laughs> and now when I see it, I'm like, yeah. yeah, I can I can see that. Listen well, all of you some quotes okay there's, there's um there's some great philosophical quotes i expect from a pixar film and we have touched on a lot of them what sure. would dory do trying to yeah. look from the other person's perspective and looking at the world um yeah. there's always a different way spoken by charlie to dory um which i think is fantastic w wisdom that seems common sense but needs to be stated and needs to be stated right. plain and plainly spoken to be effective because sometimes it does just take actually hearing it aloud, not just assuming it's common sense for everyone. Sometimes we mm. just need to hear it. Um, the, but the lines that give me the absolute kick, and we talked about it just before, is anything to do with Sigourney Weaver cracks me up. Uh, yeah. That running joke is fantastic, obviously linked with um, her work with Planet Earth and, and the narration sure. with all that. Mm -hmm. So, um, guys, I found help. Sigourney Weaver is going to tell us where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing it like in an actual film like it's so meta and fourth wall breaking but it's great and then my friend from Sigourney Weaver once said rescue rehabilitate release <laughs> like, yeah it's said yeah, no, so it's earnestly and it's, it's fantastic what are your thoughts on uh, the Sigourney Weaver bit 
Oh, I love it. Like like we said before, it's just brilliant. I love the fact that Sigourney Weaver is playing herself in a Pixar Absolutely. Movie. That's yeah. just brilliant. I mean, outdone only by Fred Willard playing basically <laughs> himself Fine in, in yeah, Wally. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no, just just a, a great way to uh, kind of put in those references, a great way to get, a, I mean, because they could have cast Sigourney Weaver as a character. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they do eventually in a Pixar film. But no, they, they, they're they like, you know what? You're tied to all of these, you know, documentaries and stuff. We're going to have you be the, the voice of this oceanography, you know, um, facility yeah yes. yeah exactly yeah. We're, we're just gonna have you be the voice of it and have i mean because she actually does make a difference in the story in the plot of the film um and all she's doing is you know just reading the the lines she's just you know is still but she helps the characters here and it's great it's great yeah. It, it's something that like on paper I think you would be worried about not working but I, it, it's handled really well it's a great homage and you do have such a grounded great actress like yeah. there's something also about just saying Sigourney Weaver it's not just like Kim Kardashian's gonna tell me where I'm going you know like I would take advice from Sigourney Weaver sure. you know well and I also do like the fact that every time they mention her they they never call her just Sigourney it's Sigourney Weaver Sigourney Weaver Sigourney the Weaver name. yes yeah. Well, because, you know, they haven't met her. They're not friends. They're not going to call her Sigourney. It's Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. The respect on the title. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, one of the other quotes I had and very meta, I like the reference. I don't have it verbatim, but just um, alluding to the park being so big. It's like, how can we do this all in one day? Like that very obvious Disneyland, Disney World reference. Yeah. Jamie, but yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it, it is a little self-referential, but yeah, the way that it was done, yeah, it was kind of fun. I will say, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of quotes in this. Most of mine were the things that were said between, you know, the, the parents and, and Dory. And, you know, a lot of those are more like earnest platitudes that, you know, they're not really lines. They're just like good advice, you know? Wisdom, the, yeah, yeah ju just good good wisdom and things like that and you know just you know some of the the uh the things you know mommy loves purple shells you know trying to you know and that ends up being what takes her away and all she was trying to do is cheer up her mom that's horrible but i i will say i do like it every time um charlie calls her cupcake i think that that's that's cute because you know it's 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 a work off of cupcake but obviously yeah. they're they're underwater so we're not going to call her cupcake but kelp cake well that's that's still cute yeah one song i have but one song the soundtrack thomas newman reteaming yeah. with andrew stanton uh just one of the absolute strengths of pixar is that director composer relationship uh, it just, it works so well. I would say not as memorable a soundtrack as Finding Nemo, but it's very hard to be objective sure. um, when I've grown up with Finding Nemo. Mm -hmm. And um, being the sequel, when you hear it that first time, obviously, like, this is your depiction of what the ocean sounds like. So I'm already familiar with it. So it's not hitting as hard. But I think there is just that difference in tone 
and vibe, especially um, in the main title theme. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty, but it's a bit eerie. It's a bit hollow, but it's got mm-hmm. then this beautiful piano through line and this high-pitched, really, really high-pitched, ethereal almost sound coming through it. Uh, yeah. Clay, what are your thoughts on the soundtrack? Yeah, I mean, it. it's one of those, I will say I'm I'm one of those people that unless I'm told specifically, pay attention to the soundtrack. If it's a good soundtrack, I don't really necessarily notice unless it's, you know, something big and bombastic like Star Wars or something like that. Um, but if it's well done and it's just kind of meant to, you know, support, uh, support, yes. that's kind of where I notice the soundtrack is, am I feeling the moment? Am I feeling the, the emotional beats that everything, because let's be honest, if the um, music wasn't there to help us along, it wouldn't feel, we wouldn't feel as deeply as, as we, we do when, when the music is there. So yeah, um, I, I don't have any particular like moments or notes about the music itself, but I know that it made me feel something. It, I think it, that's a fantastic point. So I went through the soundtrack on YouTube and like mm-hmm. there was no one track that like was an earworm or caught my brain. But when I'm looking at the titles, it's like dot, dot, dot shells. And I'm like, oh, this is what I'm feeling. Like I can, f- when we have, we've been talking about those flashbacks the whole way through yeah. and the interactions with the parents. I'm like, that really does um, underscore that emotional moment. It's, it's just there. It's light and it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I will say though, you mentioned kind of like the the eerie noises, and though mm-hmm. that that always accompanies like some kind of like um, openness or stillness, or um, like when they first get into California and it's uh, like that that kind of scary. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a bit a, of the bad part of town kind yes. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so you know, obviously they're using it in those 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 moments, and I think there's even at the end at the drop off, there's that kind of just very serene. Yeah, and that's that's what that visual requires is just that kind of serene because there, there's nothing to grab our attention. There's nothing really to. It's just kind of enjoying the moment, enjoying what we're seeing, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this is the edge of the world or all is quiet here. It's like really yeah. encapsulates all that. Uh, we do get some songs though. I said before uh, we get the What a Wonderful World. Uh, slightly right. cliche a choice, but still great. Like I, it I plays lo- well, really well. And it's it's the Louis Armstrong version, right? Yes. Which yes, in not the my, I mean, version. I, I was about to say, I, I honestly, I don't know why there's ever a reason to use any other version in a film. Because it, it to me, it's I mean, not to say that there aren't other people that have covered the 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 song great, but to me, that is the quintessential version of that song. Um, it, it definitely, you know, stokes memories for me. Um, you know, but yeah, yeah, because during uh that that song, they're all like, you know, they're driving into the bay and everybody's spilling out, and it's all like, Yeah, we're free. Kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's that crash over the bridge, um, falling into the water, people there waiting for him. We get that scene of like a bit of the food chain where like the one fish eats the fish and then the other fish eats that and that, spits that, it out. That, yeah, yeah, I, that's a very funny visual because they get eaten and they uh, immediately get all regurgitated. It's great. 
Uh, Fluke and Rudder sitting there on the rock just watching all it all happen, all these fish spilling out towards them. And I like um, Hank and Dory and Hank um, reaching for Dory to protect her from the crashing truck. I think that, uh, that, that was a very nice. Yeah. I think this was the first time that I actually noticed that, but I thought that was a very nice touch because, you know, she's all just like, yeah. And he's yeah. like, okay, you're going to be okay, but I'm going to make sure because you've gone through all of this to get back to your parents, to get back to your friends. I'm going to make sure that this, that you're going to survive to see this because we've tried so hard to get here. <laughs> Uh, on a similar note to what you're saying about What a Wonderful World, mm -hmm. uh, another absolute classic song is Unforgettable and the Nat King Cole obviously being the original. But how do you find Sia's version for this as our um, outro? I'm glad you said Sia because I was like, who is that? I didn't, I, I don't know modern music, sorry. I'm I'm, I'm 40, I'm old. <laughs> um, but I mean, I've, I've never known music that well. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, I, I enjoy, and also it's kind of a fun, um, you know, background to the, the, the scenes with Hank, you know, kind yes, of. it plays um, really well, but yeah, I, I, I loved the fact that we're doing unforgettable and honestly, you know, it's Dory's story. I kind of like the idea of having it, uh, covered by a woman. Yeah. yeah. And and I I I thought that it had the strains of like the the Nat King Cole it was obviously pay, paying homage to the Nat King Cole version but was also doing its own thing and bringing in that feminine voice and yeah, I enjoyed it. I like I like this cover as well. I like uh for Funny Nemo we get Robbie Williams and Beyond the Sea and now for this one we get uh Unforgettable. Yeah. Uh super on the nose as a song choice, but I love it. You know, mm -hmm. like being unforgettable. And yeah, yeah. Well, but if that's yeah. what works, and then Sia having such a distinct voice, having such a modern take, I like the. She doesn't take it in a very um classical style. She plays around with the melody just a little bit, like it's a bit shorter, a bit sharper mm -hmm. in her vocal delivery of it. Yeah, and yeah, I think it just works really well and adds to that eerie motion of it she's got like a bit of an eerie voice yeah so. yeah th there there is kind of uh yeah an, an eeriness a a a um a sharpness in tone mm. um that yeah. kind of rides through yeah practically perfect in every way clay what are some of the um other thoughts you might have had about the film that maybe we haven't had the chance to touch on we talked about a lot of my favorite stuff here no, I was about to say, maybe there's just less to talk about when you really like a movie. But the last time we talked about uh, the Muppet movie, and I talked for, <laughs> forever about that one. I, I think what it is that is that I understand the people that don't connect with this movie the way that I do. When I, when I did my Cinefanatics Cine thing, you know, and I mentioned why I connect with this movie, there was someone that commented, well, I have special needs and I think this movie's crap. And I'm like, Fine. I'm not saying that because you have this, this is representative of every right. single person in exactly. Yes. I'm not saying that you have to love everything that gives you representation. Absolutely not. This movie reminds me in places of of my nephew. My nephew has a disorder called NVLD, nonverbal learning disorder. Basically, he can't under he can't he has a hard time dis distinguishing nonverbal cues. So sarcasm is almost impossible for him 
because he just believes what you say. And so he has had to learn based on what people look like when they say certain things. Oh, you're being sarcastic, aren't you? But, you know, if he doesn't know you, there's no way. He has had those those types of deficiencies. And, you know, there's there's other things that go into that too, anxiety and things like that. But this film reminds me of having to work with him and, you know, watching my sister work with him and things like that. This is not one of his favorite movies. He he dislikes very little, but this is probably not one of the ones that he's going to rush to put on. That doesn't change the fact that this reminding me of him means a lot to me. I, I know a lot of why I love this movie is very personal, so I get why other people don't connect to it the way that I do. But I do also just see, you know, there are some, some fun sequel things in here. I think this is one of those films for me, had Finding Nemo not come out, I think this still works. I think, I mean, yes, you don't necessarily, uh, there are a couple of references here and there to the things that happened in Finding Nemo, but those aren't 100% necessary. You don't need those to understand what's happening here. And when I was watching it today, I was like, I feel like I would have enjoyed this movie just as much if I'd never seen Finding Nemo. And to, to me, that's a successful sequel. That was absolutely going to be, you've just pretty much encapsulated what I was going to ask. It's like, what do you think the, the legacy and the impact of the film is going to be? Because you mentioned like how we talked about Muppet Movie before, but that came out in like, what, 79? 79, so we've had yeah. a lot more time with it. This coming out 2016, it still made yeah. so much money. I remember it being like one of the highest grossing films of the year, one of the highest grossing animated films, because we were ready sure. for a sequel for it. I think um, the messages and the key parts, the flashback scenes are the things that really do stand out. Sometimes I wish there was a bit of a better plot or better movie surrounding it to lift it a bit sure. more. And it's unfortunate with the timing, I think, as well, being part of that sequelitis we were getting at the time and really just pumping things out. I feel like yeah. that's why it gets a little bit left in the middle. Um, yeah. But what you're saying, uh, the papers that I read about this as well, the journal articles I read about both Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, I think is interesting. And I think that's what's really going to be the legacy of the film is is um, just giving us more to think about, to talk about. Uh, what, what are yeah. your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I do hope that, is this ever going to be most people's, one of their favorite Pixar movies. No, I'm always going to be in the minority there, but I do hope that people will revisit this and see more of, you know, th that there is something genuine to genuinely treasure about this movie. Even if it's not your favorite, even if it doesn't speak to you the same way it does to me, there, there are very important things being said in this, in this movie. And that's, that's worth talking about. That's worth revisiting for. Oh, Clay, it's just always an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Where can people find you? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> see, I, I'm, I'm like, you know what? This was not very long, and now you're going to ask me to plug, and I feel like I'm going to take <laughs> as much time to plug my, my, my stuff as I did to talk about the movie. Um, but no, um, so you can find me. Uh, I run the Flying Cow Network. 
Uh, you can find us on podcast form. Just about anywhere you find podcasts, you just type in uh, The Flying Cow. I have several different podcasts there. I've got Diz Discussions, my Disney podcast, my my Disney podcast <laughs> from, from this one. Um, we've got uh, Nostalgia Cow, um, where myself and a guest talk about uh, stuff from our, entertainment from our childhood. Uh, the Flying Cow's movie list where myself and a guest uh, talk about a movie one of us has never seen. Uh, we are about to bring back the Academy, where we take a, a random year and talk about the, quote, best films from that year and pick our favorite. Um, then, of course, there is also movie battles on the YouTube channel. There is the Patreon, patreon.com slash the flying cow, where you can find all sorts of things, including our uh, exclusive podcast, Around the World, where we talk all about all things Ernest P. Worrell. Um, I don't know. Did the Ernest movies make it out to Australia? Oh, yeah. I remember seeing yeah. that on VHS okay. down at the video store. Yeah, okay. definitely. All right. All right. So, yeah, some some fun stuff to check out. Um, but, yeah, you can always uh, contact me on Twitter and Instagram at the Flying Cow Pod at, uh, at the Flying Cow Pod. And you can also email at the Flying Cow Pod at gmail.com. Come well, that was only twenty minutes. No, <laughs> please make sure you go check it out. It's always a fun time. I've I've had the privilege of going on a lot of the shows. So I, I yes, think at this point you've now good. been on on almost all of them, <laughs> at least that I have guests on. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, and thank you for listening. We will see you all next time. And when you come to the end, <laughs> stop. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod.